The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. there all you intentional spirits and what a pleasure and opportunity that I feel it is in serving you and all of you and the amazing work you're doing out there in the field. Um, it's, it's just a really a great honor to connect with all of you, not only in the USA, but with people throughout the world. And I always uh, love to put in that level of appreciation and gratitude. It is because of you that you continue to let people know about our show and, and share our videos on Facebook, that that is the reason that so many people connect with us and, and know us. And so I am very, very grateful. You know, as we're doing uh, this show, love to hear your comments, love to hear where you're from. I'd love to have you interact and ask questions to our guests um, because that is one of the things that makes it so exciting. Well, I've been really looking forward to this show today. We feature some great people, that's for sure, uh, from all over. But I, I love that we have today, among our midst, we have a, just a great human being, a, a really dedicated person to humanity. She and I have crossed paths many times, um, traveling throughout the country, uh, being advocates for all different kind of things. And she is a person, she takes a stand for what she believes her name is Gail Van Gills. She is all that and then some. Gail, welcome to our show today. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Temple. I've been looking forward to this also. Well, I just uh, I admire you so much, and I admire the work that, that you're doing, that's for sure, and, um, and how your path has kind of brought you to a place of now being an author and impacting people in so many different ways. But because I have an advantage that our listening audiences do not have, both on live stream and Unity Online Radio, give us a little bit of background about what you would feel has shaped you uh, to be an intentional spirit. Was it something you knew from your childhood? Uh, was it because of dysfunction or guidance or, you know, any of the decisions or mentors you've had? What's really shaped you to be who you are? Wow, what a wonderful question. Um, I, I say I'd, it really did start in childhood, and it was a haunting feeling to understand what it was to be human. I really, I really was driven. So I, I used to, I, I was brought up in, in Judaism, and I went to Sunday school, and somehow it felt like um, spirituality light to me. This didn't feel like the whole thing. So I went to all my friends' churches. I investigated um, Quakerism and Mormonism on my own. 
And eventually, I realized that what I was seeking was a path that would allow me to find out what does it mean to be the best of being human. That was finally the words that I, that I had for it. And about the time that I formulated that, I met Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, who was a Tibetan Buddhist master who had come to the West um, through the diaspora from Tibet when the Chinese invaded. And he became my teacher, my guru. And I was very fortunate because I was about 21 years old, and my whole life has been shaped on a spiritual path as a result of that meeting. So that that's really the, the greatest impetus. And then I've been practicing and studying um, meditation, um, mindfulness, and compassion practices, working with thousands of people over the last four decades. But I also got an MBA and worked in the business world and saw a lot of the pain there. So that's what's kind of brought together this inspiration to address the pain in the workplace through mindfulness and compassion. I'm talking to the wonderful Gail Van Gills, and we're talking about her discovery and her energy of studying Buddhism with her favorite teacher and all of those um, wonderful elements of her life. You, you made a key point, Gail, that I, that I think is so profound, and I'm kind of paraphrasing it. But one of the things you said in your early days of seeking and, and looking and you know, longing for to know more and everything is you, you discovered that really what you were um, looking for, did you say the practice of learning how to be a better human or to be more of a human? How did you say that? That was so good. I wanted to know what it meant to be the best of being human. I wanted to understand that. I wanted to understand what it means to be the best of being human. And I, 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 I love that because um, I know for me, um, I knew that when I was learning about spirituality or what I was exposed to about spirituality, let me put it that way, was more religiosity. And I knew for me that I had to seek a different kind of God because the one I was listening about would not include me in that reality. I knew that that wouldn't be the God that really was in harmony with me because of who I was spiritually and sexually. But there was a time when in seeking, 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 it's almost like I almost have to let go of a lot of my humanity to be, quote, unquote, more spiritual. But it, it really it really does work the other way, doesn't it? Or it's both and. That the more spiritual you become, the more you love and embrace and delve into all your aspects and your humanity. Yeah, I, I really don't think there's any other way to get in touch with the depth of truth because you can't always be looking outside. It's, a, it's an experience. You have to know it. You have to touch it. So that's why I was so excited when I discovered meditation because before that the only way I knew how to get to that place was psychedelic drugs because that's my age group and that was prevalent you know in the 70s when I was um, looking to find out what it was to be human and that opened me up to know that oh my god there's so much more to the possibilities of the range of experience even with my senses they they're broader than my normal perception 
So as soon as I found the practice of meditation, I no longer had any interest in putting a foreign substance into my body. I realized I could touch everything that is by going deep inside, which, of course, is not separate from outside. So that's, for me, really a profound route to um, connecting with truth. Now, when, when we use the word meditation, I mean, so many people... Um, have their own uh, sense of what of what that means. Do you have a particular type, a particular time, a particular place? Um, is there is there anything that through your years? Because I know you've been doing it for years. Um, that that you feel would be advantageous to to our listeners. And again, we want to thank you for tuning in from all over the world. Really appreciate you and encourage you to ask questions also in the comment section while we have Gail with us for this period of time. Gail, what what have you learned about about meditation? Yeah, so that you're, that's a great question, Temple, because that word covers such a broad array of um, experiences and practices. So the first, the simplest way that I mean meditation is the ability to place your mind where you want it to be, and that's called mindfulness meditation, like being able to notice that you're thinking and that thinking is different than what is. <laughs> so, so that might sound really weird, but there are thoughts and then there's just being. So, so the purest form of meditation is to be able to be, to be able to be present and notice and feel what exactly is happening as opposed to your thoughts about what's happening. So it's sort of being without a filter. And that's not so easy to do, so you practice it. That's why there's the practice of meditation, coming back, coming back, and building up that muscle of mindfulness. And then there are other meditations that are sort of more like contemplations on compassion and on kindness towards oneself and towards others and wishing oneself and others well. Um, and then there are other practices also that, that can be in the category of meditation that have to do with visualizing things and imagining and really um, p- choosing where to put your thoughts. So there's so many different kinds of meditation, but generally when I just say meditation, I'm thinking about the most simple practice of uh, being or of being kind. hmm hmm to be in that in that place where, uh, in the midst of all things, I am in the sense of peace inside myself. Yeah, that would be that would be true, but it's not always peaceful. I mean, to be in the moment might be to be experiencing extreme emotion. It's just that you're not running away from it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not always peaceful, but it's being where you are with what's happening, and not are- being thrown by it. So that's the exactly for the observer of your right. I mean, it, it seems to me that some of these practices, they're, you know, they're huge epiphanies or let me say they have been for me through the years, because that's how you develop this space of that. You are the observer of so many things about your life that you are having. an. it's the distinction between I'm having an experience which can be overwhelmingly emotional. I'm having it. It's real. I'm not denying it. 
but I'm not just that, <laughs> right? Exactly. I'm, I'm, I, I'm so much more than that. And I, that's why I was really looking forward to talking to you because I don't, I don't think we can make these distinctions um, enough uh, because um, often people misunderstand and misinterpret what's being said. Um, I am having an experience, but I am not my experience. We're not denying the experience. Uh, we're not saying pretend it's not going on because then it just usually gets, it goes from a whisper to a, as someone said, a two by four. But we're, we're very clear that we are with the experience, but we are so much more than that. And as that core develops through what you're talking about, that, that strength, that, that inner knowing, that well-being, regardless of the things that are occurring, um, challenges, unkind moments, uh, experiences, or whatever, there's still the solidity of that of that core. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why it's so important um, that you develop this capacity. So let's say that that somebody cuts you off or insults you at work because right now I'm thinking a lot about being happier at work. So in that situation, um, you could say, you could totally identify with that. You could take it really personally and just say, I am angry. I hate you. You could be having those thoughts. Right. Or if you have some kind of like emotional intelligence about it that comes from awareness, you could say, wow, I'm feeling really upset i'm i'm feeling angry that that was a really hurtful comment that person made you know so you see it as this is happening i am feeling these feelings but you're not completely identified with them therefore you can choose your response rather than reacting that's what's so powerful about um knowing that you are not your thoughts or your emotions and you have um You've developed it um, to work so effectively, and that's why I wanted to give our, our listeners some groundwork. I wanted to, I want to welcome Diane from San Diego and Bandana, who's with us in all support, and um, just Kim and so many of you that are that are tuning in. And uh, Gail has developed such a, a style because you know often you hear. People say, oh, it, you know, it, it's easy when I go to my spiritual community to be at peace or, you know, it, it, it's kind of effortless when I'm at home and no one's there <laughs> for me to, you know, be in this place of mindfulness and be in this place of peace. But, wow, now over there at my J-O-B, you know, now that's something entirely different when I get with those kind of people that aren't like me or, you know, whatever and that's uh, the great thing that Gail is offering to us is that she has written a book, Happier at Work. And just the title alone makes you more curious, like, okay, Happier at Work. Um, I want to make mention of her website is happieratwork.com. So how did the book come about? And I'm really looking forward into now that we've laid the groundwork of delving into it a bit and inviting any of you that have questions or want to make comments, interact with us and welcome Mark from Palm Springs today. We're glad you're here. And um, everybody on behalf of Unity Online Radio, we value you and we appreciate you. 
So, Gail, how did it happen? How did it come about? How did it happen? Well, it's a really (laughs) great question, Temple. Um, You know, I have been leading weekend and week-long meditation retreats for decades. Mm -hmm. And the most common panic at the end of the retreat is, oh, my God, what do I do tomorrow morning? I feel so open now. I feel so different than I did Friday night. And I don't know how I can go into my workplace feeling this open because I'm afraid I'm going to get even more hurt. And as I heard these comments over and over and over again, I realized what a source of pain the workplace was and that people needed a guide to how they could be um, productive and an agent of change in their workplace. Not only oh, yeah. how they could hold it together, but how they could bring this kind of um, atmosphere and cultural shift into their workplaces through the power of mindfulness and compassion. And I call it the power of love, basically, the power of opening and opening the hearts of others. So the book goes from the very beginning where you may be feeling completely stuck all the way through to how you could be a profound agent of change in your workplace if you wish to, and especially if you're a leader. If you're a leader, this book really is powerful because then you affect so many other people automatically by virtue of your role. I love that because, um, I mean, one of the greatest joys when I used to tour around here and in the United Kingdom was the good pleasure of, of representing Richard Carlson and don't sweat the small stuff at work, you know, and of course don't sweat the small stuff and don't sweat the small stuff with family. And I, I really hold this for you, Gail, that this is the new book um, that is the leading edge of happier at work. I really, I really feel that because we're, we're long due uh, another book that helps and supports people understand that, you know, it, it it's very interesting how, there's so many people that that just resent the idea of that they have to work or that they have a job, you know. And there there's some energy that goes with that. It's really kind of the rent you pay to live on the earth, you know. Someone said along along the way, but I I, I think it's very powerful when people can make that change. Um, and really make it a place that that they enjoy and that it's mutually beneficial and that uh, they change and grow and expand because of the interactions with others. Yeah, and also you're responsible for your experience. I mean, that's one of the things I say right at the, up top is you are the key to change. I mean, you need to figure out, why am I unhappy at my job if that's part of it? Like, what don't I like? And what would I like to be doing better? And tell somebody. I mean, you know, if you always just stew about it and get more and more resentful and therefore less and less engaged, you're very unlikely to be any happier. So you have to take some responsibility. And if you're in the wrong job, change your job. I mean, it's the the complaining, the level of complaint and gossip and negativity at work is poisonous. And... Every every single person has to take responsibility for that. I mean, if you're really truly miserable, what can you do about it? Don't wait for someone else to do it for you. But you can ask, you know, and also you can care more about others. 
what's their experience. You know, start to engage other people, not just think about yourself. And already, you know, you've taken away part of the problem, big part of the problem. I was um, very few times in my life have I been a corporate employee, um, and I, the last time that I that I was, I was I was so I was so shocked by the whole culture um, because on Monday uh, most of the people it was an office that it was professional recruiters that served uh, people all over, but on Monday you know it, it's like people started to work at two o'clock you know because they spent the whole morning talking about their weekend. And then on Friday, they spent all day talking about they couldn't wait to get out of there. And I used to think, you know, they ought to just pay them for about three days because that's about all the energy that's going into, you know, the actual work of being of being effective, you know, for sure. It's like but it does it. It, you're, it takes up such a, a period of our time in life that we definitely want to come to some agreement of, of how we can be we can be happy. So, well, you know, um, there are some good work cultures. That's the good news, Temple. There really are. There are companies where um, they do care about their employees and they energize their employees and, and they don't have these problems. So I share some stories about that. And I think, again, that's what we can aspire to. We don't have to think that Monday morning has to be that hard. So. Exactly. Exactly. Isn't there a study that the the most heart attacks happen on Monday at 9 a.m.? Is that still true? <laughs> Actually, I don't know that factor, but that's sad. No. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I used to teach the stress classes, that was a that was a true fact. I'm not I'm not sure wow. it is now, but but anyway. So what are what are some other tips that you that you offer us about? Uh, um, being happier. So it's it's looking at do we want to be in the culture that we're in and, and be part of that because you're saying if we do and we want to stay there, then we need to be part of the change of what we feel or what we perceive would make it better. Right. So you have to know what's important to you, and then you also have to know how to handle the constant barrage of information and work requests. So, again, this is what's happening. This is the world we live in. It's constantly on. We're always getting phone calls, emails, texts. I don't know. Every You know, you can't even think. Facebook Lives, whatever. I mean, it's just a constant barrage. And then we have, like, tons of stuff on our desk and lots of people coming to our office. And so how can you deal with that? This is... Partly a cultural issue, again, a work culture issue, because a lot of workplaces want you to always look busy. Like if you have a single down moment, they think, well, we need to give him or her something more to do. But actually another key is being able to take moments of silence, being able to take just a few breaths like that and just pause and let your mind settle and let what needs to be done rise to the surface and let memories form and actually discover some kind of inner space so that you can diffuse the stress. So the, the, the tools of developing the capacity of being able to stop and pause and be silent for even a few moments are another one of the really powerful benefits of learning mindfulness, of learning how to come back 
to your body and breath and just breathe. It really changes everything to be able to take those one, two, or three breaths in the midst of tremendously busy days. I've been around a number of people, um, either as a coach or consultant, where they actually set their timer on their phone, and and it goes off every so often, every half hour, some people every 45 minutes, and it's just a little noise, and it reminds them to take that moment, to take that, that breath, to take that time. That's a really great advice there. Yep, that's a great tip. That's a really great tip. So another thing I could talk about is um, fear. So there's a lot of a lot of components to fear in the workplace. Sometimes managers use it consciously as a motivator. The -hmm. problem with fear is it works Mm -hmm. short term. Like you know, if you don't get that that um, proposal done, we're going to lose the bid. Well, that's. A, you know, a very, you know, fear-inducing statement. It might be true, and you'll work really hard on that particular proposal. But if every single situation is stress-filled and fear-filled like that, what actually happens is that we get sort of into that always-on fight-and-flight mode. And when you're in that, um, from the brain science point of view, when the amygdala is firing constantly and sending out the stress hormones, it actually shuts down the um, cognitive processes of the prefrontal cortex or our thinking rational brain because all the energy and blood is going to fight or flight. So what happens is that you really become less effective at your work if you're always being managed by fear or if you're always in a state of stress. So learning to manage one's fear and shifting the response, actually changing your brain pattern is something I also talk about in the book. You have to face your fear instead of just letting it rule you. So I give a lot of tips on how to do that, transform the energy of fear. That's very powerful because, it, it, it like you said, it can be subtle or it can be very um, overt and it's felt and it's felt throughout the entire entire community or culture why would you say that it this was so important to you uh, you're getting a lot of good feedback uh, on online um, in harmony with thank you for the reminder of the breath and and you know you're exactly right this is what happens to all of us we need to stop in the stillness and we need to um, a check-in. I'm very fortunate because I, I've always brought a, a dog or dogs to work with me. <laughs> oh, that's very special. <laughs> yeah, that's not everybody's experience, Temple. Not everybody's experience, but I, I feel very fortunate. That's why I said to me it's a huge yeah. amenity is that I can do that because, you know, because there's the going outside, there's the time to take a break, there's the mm-hmm. little funny, unexpected things that happen that kind of shake things up a, a little bit. They really offer up a lot of good medicine. Why was talking about happier at work, why did it become a thing for you? Because I know that you were on such a, a mission about it, and and um, and many of us are so uh, adamant about making sure that all of this is heard and, and experienced by so many people. What, how did you get into that 
this is what I know that I'm supposed to do now? Well, it really is a coming together of the two worlds that I have dwelt in for all these years. So mm-hmm. I've been practicing and teaching meditation and compassion and how to integrate that with life in the context of being a uh, Shambhala teacher for decades. And I've been doing training and coaching and consulting in businesses for decades since I got my MBA in the, in the mid-'80s. So basically now, right now in our world is the time when the world seems to be open to talking about the benefits of mindfulness practice for the workplace. So Mm -hmm. this is actually the time when those two things that I've been doing in sort of separate spheres, although I could never really keep them separate, are a field of study. Like there are young people who come to me and say, could you mentor me in being a a mindful business practitioner? I'm thinking, wow, that's actually a thing now, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So so I've lived long enough for all parts of me to get integrated. Yeah, there are there are some advantages to uh, a number of years on on Earth, but I, yep. I I love the I love the how you're defining things and um, how you're putting them in in frames. And I, I know one of the things that that I used to do um, is that I would compartmentalize things. You know, oh, I'm at home now, so therefore there's a certain level of quiet that goes with that. Um, there's a certain level of permission uh, that goes with that, and, and I could, you know, allow more of my joy and, and my silliness to come out. Um, and now I'm going over to the office. <laughs> right. And and I, I just want to say that I, um, that it, it wasn't always conscious. Do you know what I mean? And I and it's like, uh, got to go to work now. I'm going into the office. And you just feel the energy change. And so then there would be a certain kind of feeling or energy or uh, physiological uh, essence that would go with that of I'm, I'm professional and I'm at the office. I also have found in that that we carry either knowingly or unknowingly we carry some of our parent our parents' patterns that they held about the four letter word work um, that they carried of whether it was a joyful experience and a look forward to or they felt they had to do it or they did something they didn't like and so kind of delving kind of wrapping a big bow around that delving into all of those um, and just simplifying like every moment of my life is to just be in alignment with my highest uh, quest and to be on my life's purpose. And so, therefore, it's not differentiated with if I'm at work or if I'm at, you know, at an event or a conference. Uh, am I making sense? I, I feel like I am, but I'm just going to make Well, you're sure. making sense, and I'm, I'm going to sort of state it another way and see if this is what you're saying. Okay, so to me, what you're saying you've realized is a result of developing deep self-awareness. So until you recognize that you were on autopilot 
with your parents' descriptions and expectations of work, they were held in you as this is work. It's sort of like believing the thought, believing, you know, Mm -hmm. some kind of a preset idea. So that's why the first step of this whole process of being happier in life, let alone work, I mean, work is just one little subset, but you have to be self-aware. You have to know what do I think? What reactions do I have? What patterns are holding me back? So there's that side of it. But then there's also the reality that if you are forced to compartmentalize, like you said, if you're forced to leave your emotional self at the door when you walk into work and just be serious, so Mm -hmm. then work doesn't get all of your energy and you don't get to be fully at work. So there's you can't engage completely. So the smart manager is going to be interested in all parts of your life. They're not going to say leave your problems at their door. They're going to say, wow, you seem really low today, Temple. Can you tell me, is there something um, I should be aware of? Is there anything I can help you with? And then maybe in that situation you would be able to say, well, gosh, I'm, 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 really, I'm really conflicted because my parents are going through a really hard time right now and they need me in Idaho, but I have, I have a project that's due and I'm not sure what to do about it and it's really, it's really eating me up. So if somebody will allow you to express that emotion, maybe they can come to a solution with you. Like maybe the rest of the team can take on your work or maybe you can do it remotely. But if you're forced to leave all those feelings, both negative and positive, like the joyful part that you were describing earlier, um, you can't be happy at work and they don't get your full engagement. So the first thing is you have to be aware so you can make the statement to somebody. <laughs> you have to know what it is that's eating at you. So this awareness piece is very, very important, and it can come through a lot of different ways of exploring oneself, and I offer a whole ton of them in the front of the book so that you can start out with with deeper awareness, deeper self-awareness. That's really powerful, and I I urge any of you that have had an awareness regarding the word job or regarding the word work, be be sure and put it in the comments so we can have some interactions as we're talking about Happier at Work, the newly released book by Gail Van Gills. And her website is happieratwork.com. So keep filling us up with these insights, girl. I love this conversation. It's very, very rich and very, very profound. Well, I think, you know, the next thing I'd want to say is about um, how important listening is. So I've been talking about talking and being heard like how you have to become aware and say what you need and say what you're feeling. But you also really have to know how to listen. So on the negative side of listening is, as I mentioned earlier, all the gossip that goes around at work. So how do you handle that when you're always around people that are being negative? That is a a question that has very, very often been, been brought up to me. It's like, I don't know what to do, especially as I'm becoming more aware I'm realizing I don't really want to hang out with the people I hang out with because all they do is diss other people, and that makes me feel bad. So gossip and rumors can stop 
at you. I mean, you can just say, oh, thank you, I'm not interested in hearing that, or you could walk away, or you, you don't have to be a part of it anymore. So that's, that's a powerful thing you can do to, um, through your listening, to quell negativity. <clears throat> and then the other side of that, the positive side, is the power of curiosity. So sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves, in, in our busyness, and in our own thoughts, we forget to be curious and ask and listen to others for new ideas, not just to confirm our old ideas. So this is another way to really relax and open up through mindfulness is to relax your point of view and be curious about alternative points of view. And really, believe me, the, the joy that other people have to be invited to speak is palpable. So I think that, you know, that, that could be a really important thing to, to pay attention to. And it, it, it truly empowers um, so many other people, too, um, when they feel that they're part of a, a team building or a collaboration instead of just, here's what we're going to do, here's what you're going to do because we're going to do it. It's an entirely um, different energy. I find that um, all, all these years as a uh, manager or uh, CEO or whatever the title is, I say CEO is creating um, ex- exceptional opportunities, you know. But in that, I'm, I'm, I'm keenly aware, um, and I, I feel this is what you're saying too, is that we're always checking in to actually listen to each other's languaging, you know, and, um, and when you're working with a paradigm of empowering people, you know, um, to, to be supportive in what that languaging looks like, that people feel like they don't have to ask permission to speak or they're not seeking approval. You know, it kind of shifts everything. And it's really beautiful to watch people coming out of their shell, if you will, uh, because of exactly what you're talking about. It, it's yeah. a very energizing kind of thing. When um, just the other day somebody said, yeah, I'm going to put together the proposal and bring it back to the team. And, you know, I'm going to be seeking approval. And I, you know, I would say, would you like to say that in a different way? Because this isn't an approval system. You know, you're right. a director. You're saying, here's the what we want to achieve. And you're coming to us to tell us so we can offer you support. It's a very different thing. And it's interesting because when you share that with somebody that's been carrying around that kind of responsiveness or, or expectation all those years, you can just see a big old breath come over their face. It's really, it's a beautiful thing. I, I, I love being part of the new culture that we have now and interacting and working with others. That's why I'm so turned on about your about your book, and I'm so glad everybody listening will spread the word about this book because it's very, very powerful. And because so many people spend a third of their lives, if not more, if not more, at work, um, it's important for people to realize there's joy and happiness to be found there and to be experienced. Yeah, well, thank you. That's true. And I, and I want to mention one last thing on listening, um, which is the deepest level of listening, which is listening to your intuition. So I, I go pretty far into that in the book as well. You know, intuition is a real thing. 
and mm-hmm. it can help make you help you make really good decisions. And intuition, intuitional listening is really tuning into your body. So once again, it, it goes so much with the practice of mindfulness, of learning how to turn from your thoughts to what you're feeling in your body. And that's where you're getting those messages. And intuition, the feelings in our body, give us information before we have a rational thought. They actually are informing us, and they're a part of how we're making decisions all the time. But if you can learn to tune into that with that kind of awareness, um, you'll, be, you'll be ahead of the game. <laughs> you'll be seen as a genius at work. Yeah, absolutely. One of our uh, listeners is saying that it's been very noted um, that because there is so much gossip at the at the workplace and the rumors that she just developed the habit of walking away, mm-hmm. and um, and people are aware, so they no longer. Uh, the good news with this kind of uh, pattern breaking, if you will, is that you only have to do it a time or two, and then you know people kind of come to be aware of. You know, that's who you are. I know one of the things I used to say if somebody started talking to me about somebody is I would say, you know, unless a person is present, I'm not really willing to go there. Um, or um, I'm in, I would say to them, I'm in the practice that I'm, if I say something about someone, I either need to have told them or I'm going to tell them because talking about people is not what I do. So either either one of those directions I always found to be very helpful, but it doesn't it doesn't take long for people to understand that that's not how you roll, if you will, um, and it's not how you play. Yeah, you know, and you said something about um, it only takes a few times until you you know change a behavior or people perceive the change in your behavior, and so I wanted to just follow up on that with the power of what it is to change a habit, how powerful that is. Because you're literally reprogramming your brain. So our brains have like these bridges of neurons. So something happens, I do that. Something else happens, I do this. And they're just, those are our patterns. Those are our reactive patterns. And we live with them. We don't even think about them. That You think that's me. But mm-hmm. actually... Once again, once you're aware of them, that's how you can transform this negative experience you might be having at work into a happier experience because you can actually change your brain. And when something comes up, you can choose to be aware of it, not identify with it like we were saying earlier, and choose a different response. And then you're building a different neuronal bridge. And there's really a different... um if you were to be able to photograph the brain the way they do with with putting the dyes in on the um, when do you go into, into the CAT scan machines, if you look at the brain of somebody who has been practicing meditation and particularly compassion kindness practices, the the part of the brain that lights up is distinctly different than the part of the brain that lights up with people who are unhappy or depressed, who react to things as, poor me, I can't do anything about this. So disempowering beliefs actually keep you sad. And empowering beliefs or not believing that there's 
that you're stuck in a reactive pattern make you happier. And thinking about others and their happiness and how and listening well makes you happier. It's actually a, a truth. So I think that's a really amazing thing that that we can actually shift our our brains and our experiences at work and in life. Of course, everything I'm saying is true about your home life and your relationships and everything, but particularly at work where we have this difficulty because we think it's all about them, there's a lot that we can do. I, I, it's very powerful and, and just so much to think about as far as the practice of. Um, we still have a few more minutes. We're getting great comments, great feedback. I want to thank all of you from being with us from all over the world. Um, and liking these type of messages, um, always remember, I welcome you um, going to templehaze.com and in the contact section, uh, letting me know what kind of guests you would like to see us have that offer tools of ways of being intentional, of how to have a thriving and energetic and healthy life um, and, and be a difference maker in, in our world in whatever great way or small way we may identify that. Encourage you to go to Gail Van Gill's website, happieratwork.com. And it always amazes me how quick our time goes by. Just like it's, it's fascinating. I just feel like we just have sat down, Gail, to have a, oh. have a cup of tea. You know, absolutely. Um, our listeners are just great. They're so tuned in. <laughs> well, is there some place where I can see these messages and respond to them? Are they going to be on Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. They're on Facebook. So you'll be okay, able to great. see the great comments that people are giving. And, um, and in our, our, our last words, what is a, what is a, a thought that, or a, a teaching that you would like to leave us with that, wow, it's, it's the one thing that we could really benefit from hearing or, or how can we, how can we support you? Well, you can support me by by buying the book and spreading the word that people can do this. And the mm-hmm. thing that I would like to leave you with is that if you can be a little kinder to yourself, that's the first step to being kinder to others. So taking the time to really allow yourself to appreciate yourself and not to be so critical is all the difference in your happiness and others' happiness because however you regard yourself is how you look at the world. So to the extent that you can stop judging yourself so harshly, you'll stop judging others harshly and everyone will be happier. Wow. Well, that's, that's the noted advice of the day. Let's be more kinder to ourselves. Let's be more gentle and and more loving and, and take those breaths. Let's take those breaths that give us that sense of self-awareness and, and well-being. I want to thank all of you for being with us today, all of you intentional spirits. I'm always so looking forward to our time together, uh, knowing that it's it's going to be rich and it's going to be interactive and we're all going to benefit. Thank you so much for everything all of you are doing out in the world. And most of all, a big shout out to Unity Online Radio. Uh, thank you, Jeff Comfort, the most amazing station manager. How I appreciate you. 
And I just appreciate Unity Online Radio's commitment to continuing to be the voice. For the world is awakening all the time, and we are blessed. God bless you, everyone, on this amazing journey we call live. Take care. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. There's a story about a man who was looking for a new home. When he arrived at the gate of a city, he asked, Tell me what kind of people live here. The gatekeeper replied, Tell me about the people in the place you've come from. He answered, They were angry, self-centered, and dishonest. The gatekeeper said, They're just like that here. You wouldn't be happy. Move on. Later, another stranger arrived and asked the same question. The gatekeeper said, Tell me about the people in your last town. She answered, Oh, they were wonderful, kind, generous, and loving. The gatekeeper replied, The people of this town are just like that. Come on in. You'll be happy here. Often we see the world not as it is, but as we are. If you want to change the world, start with yourself. Be the kind of person you wish the rest of the world would be. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
ever noticed that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. Understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, Looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose? Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. 
Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. moment we live can be holy and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so everything we do can be a prayer and by using our innate creativity with intention in every aspect of our lives that can indeed be true author carla kincannon wrote creativity is so much more than art making It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. Understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you are ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zender every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.